This morning, I would like to begin by asking you two questions. I think the first one is fairly simple, but the second one might be a little harder. And the first question is, baptism is the sign of the new covenant with God. What was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant with God? We know it was the sign because baptism has now become the sign of the new covenant. And so what's the answer to that question? Yeah, you certainly know it is circumcision. But now the second question is, why did God choose circumcision as the sign that he gave to the Jews for the Abrahamic covenant? Now that might be a little harder today, but let me try to uh, clarify and explain it. The severed foreskin was considered to be unclean and impure by the Jews as they cast it away. So circumcision was symbolic of separation and purity, especially in marriage. You can see that there are sexual implications to the meaning of this sign. It was performed on the male organ of reproduction because we know that God's promises to Abraham included birth descendants. And so just as the foreskin was unclean and cast away, God was calling upon his people to be pure in marriage and in family. Pastor Warren Wearsby explains it so very well. He says, sexual immorality was rampant among the Canaanite peoples and was even part of their religion. But the people of Israel were marked to be separate from the evil that was all around them. Therefore, anyone who was tempted to engage in immoral acts had a visible sign forever marked on their body. Now, the New Testament has this very same concern. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to all of us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. Look at his words. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Now that is what God was trying to teach his people through the sign of circumcision. This morning, we are returning to Genesis 17, and I would encourage you to take your Bibles and turn there this morning. As we return to this message entitled, Keep My Covenant. Keep My Covenant. And I want you to remind you that in Genesis 17, we see that there are three keys to a responsible life of faith that God is calling us to. Those keys are the motivation key. We saw that last week. And now today, the second and third key, the holiness key and the obedience key. And so let's uh, begin this morning with the holiness key. What we're going to see today touches on marriage, on sex, and on relationships. And I think all of us know our culture desperately, 
And I don't think that we could use a better word. Our culture desperately needs to hear what God was teaching in circumcision. And I want to speak to those of you that are single, and maybe someday you'll be looking for a suitable marriage partner. This is the kind of person you look for. You look for someone who takes seriously these truths on holiness. You will not regret it. So let's look at them this morning, okay? Here's the first one. A holy God commands morally holy people. A holy God commands morally holy people. Look at me with me now in your Bibles in Genesis 17 at verse 9, and let me read down to verse 13. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant that you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Now, five times in these five verses we have read, once in every verse, God says, you shall, you shall, you shall. In Hebrew, this is a very, very strong command. It could actually be translated, you must, you must, five different times. You must no longer live like the nations around you. That's why I'm commanding circumcision as the sign of our covenant. Now, wasn't this the problem with Abraham and the Hagar incident, wasn't it? Just in the previous chapter. Abraham and Sarah couldn't conceive a child, and so they brought Hagar into the household to have children and Abraham was guilty of polygamy. When he conceived a child through her, he violated God's plan for marriage, which is one man and one woman. And now God is saying in the very next chapter after that incident, Abraham, I want you to be morally pure and I want you to reject the ways of the world. Now, God's command for us is exactly the same, but isn't it hard? Isn't it hard? We live in an extremely permissive society. You know that. The pressure to be sexually active before marriage is enormous. Today, purity is out and promiscuity is in. I've saved in my files a letter that a 
teenage girl, a 15-year-old, sent to Dear Abby many years ago at the beginning of this 21st century. And I want to read it for you because it reflects the confusion of our day. Listen to what this 15-year-old wrote. Dear Abby, John and I started dating two years ago when he was a college freshman and I was a junior in high school. He was my knight in shining armor. A year into our relationship, we lost our virginity to each other. Six months ago, John suddenly broke up with me. He said he needed his space. After three months, he changed his mind and wanted to get back together. He swore he wanted only me and nobody else. I believed him and forgave him. Last week, I learned that while John and I were apart, he had had sex with another girl. I broke up with him immediately, but now I have a problem. I'm experiencing some symptoms that could be an STD. In my small town, everyone knows everyone. If I go to a local doctor, it'll be all over town before dark. It would shame my parents. I'm leaving soon to attend college several hundred miles from here. Would it be harmful to wait until I get there to see a doctor about what I'm afraid I have? Burned in Kentucky. Doesn't that just break your heart? And the way she signs her letter says it all. Burned. People today are so confused about love and sex, and so many people are being burned as a result. Now, why is it that God has the right to command us to be morally pure? We live in a day in which people don't like that word command. It's not a word that we respond to very well. But the reason God has a right is because of what circumcision meant. And I want to share with you what it meant. First of all, circumcision was a possessive mark, and believers are God's property. By this mark, God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I own you. You belong to me. And we have a much greater mark, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that because of that mark, we belong to God. Secondly, circumcision was a permanent mark, and believers belonged to God permanently. Once a Jewish man was circumcised, he could not be uncircumcised, and if we are truly saved, if we genuinely belong to the Lord through the new covenant, we are God's forever. And then thirdly, circumcision was a prosperity mark, and believers have God's promises. Only the Jews were given the sign of circumcision by God himself as a sign of their covenant. Only believers have the Holy Spirit, therefore we alone have the promises of God. Now think about this. God is vested in our welfare. God deeply cares about us. Someone who would go to all the trouble God has gone to for the blessing of his children is someone we can trust. 
He is someone we can trust. And when God says, I command this of you, knowing the God who loves us this much, oh God, I want to trust a God like this. Now notice as we continue to look at this holiness key that there's a second truth here. It's very important. A holy God creates morally holy people. A holy God creates morally holy people. Three times in chapter 17, the Bible tells us Abraham was 99 years old when God gave him the rite of circumcision. Verse 1, verse 17, and verse 25. Now we have to ask why. Why three times? Well, Abraham and Sarah at this point are physically beyond the age of childbearing. Romans 4 says their bodies were reproductively dead. Therefore, to have children required a supernatural, creative act of God. You know what circumcision reminded Abraham? Abraham, you're weak. Abraham, you don't have the power. Abraham, it is not in your capability. And you need to trust the creative power of God for the promises to be fulfilled. Now this is why God told his people very carefully, I'm going to have to circumcise your hearts if the covenant will be kept. In fact, look at this very important verse. How important is this verse? Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. You see, the cutting away of the foreskin showed that a greater surgery was needed, a surgery on the heart to cut away sin. And the New Testament says when we receive Christ, we receive a spiritual circumcision that puts off the control of our sin nature. This is talked about so much in the New Testament. But let's look at a couple of passages. Here's Romans 2, 28 and 29, and notice what it says. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And then notice Colossians 2, 11 and 12. In him, he's talking to Christians, believers. Also, you were circumcised without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now we see what God is teaching. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, and when he does, he separates us from the control of the old nature. 
And you can see how baptism is parallel to circumcision. The sign of baptism now signifies the same thing that we need an internal cleansing, an internal washing. We need a new life. And we cannot live a holy, pure life apart from God's transforming work. We need a new heart. Many years ago, it was the 50th anniversary of Playboy magazine. And Hugh Hefner, who just died within the last few years, said this, we changed the world. He said, we live in a Playboy world now for good or for ill. And sadly, we all know he was right. No wonder at the height of the Promise Keepers movement, 21% of committed Promise Keepers said purity was the most difficult promise to keep. When I was a teenager, and this may surprise you very much, but many of you who are close to my age, you would know that this was the reality. When I was a teenager, I was exposed to very little pornography. Because in the early 1970s, you had to go looking for pornography. Today, pornography comes looking for you, doesn't it? Today, pornography comes looking for me. And if we are going to live a holy and a pure life, We need Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We need his word hidden in our hearts. And we need the support and help of the people of God in the church. We cannot do it on our own. We need Jesus and only what he can do in our lives. Now there is a third truth about holiness. A third truth. Number three. A holy God chastises unholy people. If we want to know how important is this to God, how serious is this with him, look. A holy God chastises unholy people. Look at verse 14 with me. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Whoever rejected the meaning of circumcision and God's call to moral purity was cut off according to God. Two things are probably involved in this. Number one, it could mean being excluded from the believing community. Or number two, it could mean even untimely death. That's how serious God takes his call to a holy life. 
Many years ago in my office at another church, I warned a man who was living immorally, impurely, with a very weak woman. She was sitting right there in the office with him and with me. And it was so sad because he was such a smart aleck about it all. He was just so flippant. Weeks after we sat in our office, I had his funeral. He was broadsided at a stop sign and died instantly. Cut off from his people, God only knows. I knew a man who had been a philanderer his entire life. Stories about him were well known. He got sick on a Thursday. By Sunday, he was in a coma. By Wednesday, he was dead. Cut off from his people, God only knows. But we are a culture that is dying at a sobering rate. Having rejected God's standards for moral purity, we are descending ever more surely into a culture of death and social devastation and disintegration, and it is all around us. And the only answer is be holy, for I am holy. Now, as we notice how this chapter concludes, we come to the obedience key. The obedience key. And I want you to notice that there is a very clear connection between being holy and being obedient. And notice in verse 27 what happened now after God finished speaking to Abraham, look at what he said. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all those born in his house, or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day. As God had said to him, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin that very day. Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. If I were to ask you what is the emphasis here of this portion of the episode, you would say to me, Pastor, very clearly the text emphasizes that very day. Twice it tells us as soon as God finished speaking, that very day, 
Abraham got out the knife. And he, his son, all the men of the house were circumcised. Do you realize how painful this was for grown men? Realize how painful this was? This is before antibiotics. This is before first aid cream. This was very, very painful. And these men were immobilized for a number of days. Is it painful to cut away sin? Of course it is. It hurts to confront wrong in your life and in my life. Pastor Donald Gray Barnhouse once said this, we have a sin nature that must be dealt with by the knife. And it hurts to say, I'm going to confront immorality in my life. But the emphasis here is this, the sooner we do, the sooner God can heal us. The sooner we confront any immorality in our life, the sooner God can heal us. Now there might be one final question that all of us have this morning. Why did God choose a sign for his covenant with Abraham that only men could participate in? I'm sure you've thought about that. And the text says in verse 23, every male among all of the men. Why did God choose a sign that only the men could participate in? I think we all know the answer, because as the men go, so goes the culture. We know that. As the men go, so goes the culture. God is always calling men to lead and a holy man will have a powerful effect everywhere. A holy man honors his wife and, in aid and, and ennobles her. She feels secure in his love. She knows my husband is a one-woman man. A holy man shows his sons how to treat women with respect with dignity, with honor. And a holy man who lives honorably with his wife will show his daughters what a real man is. So when the time comes for them to look for a husband, they know, here's a real man, because my dad lived honorably with my Mother, the very day God finished speaking, that very day, Abraham took the knife. That's holiness. 
That's holiness. And may God grant it to each and every one of us for the glory of his name and the good of his kingdom. Let's bow together in prayer. This morning, is there unholiness in your life that you know about? Is there impurity that you have not taken the knife to? This very day, you know what God has said. And yet you are delaying to obey. This morning, if you are delaying to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, trust Him now. Throw yourself at the foot of the cross and cry out for his mercy. If you are delaying to hide the word of God in your heart, that you might not sin against God, delay no longer. And if you are delaying to seek the support and help and accountability and love of your local church. Delay no longer. That very day, When God finished speaking, Abraham did what he commanded. And obedience is always the first step to a holy life. They are intimately connected. May God grant us all to be holy people. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have given to us. Thank you that we belong to you. We belong to you forever. We have your promises. You have a vested interest in us. You care for us. Someone who would go to all the trouble that you have gone to 
is someone worthy of trusting. When you say to us, this is the way, walk in it, and I will walk with you. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.